Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we are just a few days away from celebrating Christmas. Now in the first reading, we hear from the prophet Micah. Now Micah is considered a minor prophet in the Old Testament. He lived in the southern part of Israel, and Micah focuses a lot of his attention on injustice of the poor, but he also focuses on the prophecy of the coming Messiah. Now, the first reading for this weekend tells us that Bethlehem is going to be the first witness to the coming of the Messiah. As he says, You, Bethlehem, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from shall you come from forth, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. Now, when we think of Bethlehem, naturally we think of Christmas, the place where Jesus was born. However, Micah is living in the 8th century B.C. Now, it begs the question, what would the people, 800 years before Jesus was born, think of when they heard the image of Bethlehem? Well, they would think of King David. Go back to the Old Testament. God tells Samuel, the prophet of the time, to go to Bethlehem, to a family of Jesse, And he says, you will find and anoint one of Jesse's sons, and he will be the next king of Israel. Well, there's that classic scene. Jesse calls his sons one by one. And even though the sons are all strong and intelligent and impressive looking, Samuel says, no, he's not the one. No, he's not the one. No, no, he's not the one. All the sons come before Samuel, and he keeps saying, no, No, he's not the one, he's not the one. And then he asks Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse says, yes, but he's the youngest and he's tending to the sheep. And it was David. And so Samuel tells Jesse, call him in. And David comes in and immediately Samuel says that that is the new king. David is going to be the new king. And immediately, Samuel the prophet anoints David. And it says, the Holy Spirit rushed upon David, and David became the new king in Bethlehem. So, upon hearing Micah, the Israelites believe a new Davidic king will come. And so they wait 800 years before this is fulfilled. By the way, this is the reason why in this story from Luke's gospel, the birth of Jesus Christ with the census, Joseph and Mary, they travel from Nazareth, which is the northern territory, and they go down to Bethlehem, which is the city of David, because Joseph was of the house of the family of David. Now, fast forward to the gospel. Here we have Mary, who essentially plays an indispensable role in the prophecy of Micah coming true. 
Now we hold up Mary with great love and honor because she really is a reflection of God, just like the moon is a reflection of the sun. Now, when we look at the sun, we can barely glare a glimpse of it. We see or we look at the sun for a split second, and then we have to turn away. But we can stare at the moon all night long. In a similar way, the intensity of Jesus Christ is overwhelming to us. But at the same time, we can reflect upon Mary always as we see her son. And in so many ways, Mary represents the whole people of Israel. Mary is the faithful people of Israel, the way God intended it to be. A faithful people that draws all nations to God. That's why the early church fathers referred to Mary as the new Eve. Eve abandoned paradise, in which she saw God as a rival, just like Adam, when they reached out and ate that forbidden fruit. They wanted to be gods themselves, and in doing so, they ushered sin into this world, and then began the momentum of sin. God's mission? To reverse that momentum of sin. In the passage of Luke's gospel, right before we hear this story, It's the story of the Annunciation. When the angel Gabriel tells Mary of God's plan for her and her role, her natural response is, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your will. Eve, she grasped at godliness. She wanted to be God herself. Mary does just the opposite. She begins to reverse that momentum of original sin. She accepts God's will. Mary, because she is pregnant with God's own life, in a figurative way, all of us, when we accept God's will, when we can say to God, let it be done to me according to your will, God's life now takes root in us, just like it did for Mary. How? How does this work? Well, Eve, on the act of grasping, she blocked the flow of God's grace and his divine love. Mary, in her acceptance, she allowed the life of God to flow into the world and into herself for the salvation of all. Better yet, she becomes the new Eve. She allows God's life and love to rush into the world. Now, when you look at Mary, she reminds us of Moses. You know, comparable to that burning bush out of which God's voice is spoken to Moses. It's the third chapter in the book of Exodus. The bush is on fire, and yet it's not consumed. And yet, from that bush comes God's voice. Well, we aren't consumed by God's presence, but we are raised up and elevated by it. Mary is like that burning bush. God's divine presence is alive in her, yet it doesn't overwhelm her or consume her, but rather it makes her radiant. Her prayer, the Magnificat, Mary prays, my soul does magnify the Lord. Her soul is most at peace when Christ is close to her. She is also evocative of Moses because Mary, 
the new and true Ark of the Covenant is recognized. Just as the tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments, were placed in the Ark as a sign of God's presence in his people, well, so now Mary carries the true and the real presence of God in her body. Mary is now the true Ark of the Covenant, carrying God's presence in her body. Now, all that in mind, go into the gospel. Just before this gospel passage that we heard today, we have the story of the Annunciation. Mary finds out that she will be the mother of God. Now, that doesn't faze her or change her. She is rooted in her identity. She calls herself the handmaiden of the Lord, as evidenced of this story. Now, she finds out her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary's first thought is not about herself. It's first about Elizabeth and how to help her. That's why it says, she traveled to the hill country in haste. Now, I like that detail, in haste. She doesn't dawdle. She doesn't second guess. She immediately acts. She knows God's will and she acts upon it. Well, when we know God's will, we too must act upon it. Now, it's important for us to know and appreciate the travel of Mary was not easy. It was filled with large, steep hills and deep valleys. When I was living in Israel, it took us four hours by bus to get from Nazareth to the country where Elizabeth was staying at. And Mary probably was walking the entire time. Now, a person in good shape, it would probably take them several days. Realize also, she's pregnant. So this could not have been an easy trip for her. But she does it anyways, because she knows God's will. Mary is the queen of heaven and earth. And she has that title. But what does she do? She casts it aside and placed the needs of Elizabeth and Zechariah before her own. One last thing. It says, Elizabeth heard her greeting, and the infant in her womb leapt for joy. Well, the infant is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the baby that Elizabeth is carrying, and is filled with joy, because he knows Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and Jesus is present before him. That's why it says, he leapt for joy. John is still in his mother's womb, but he knows Jesus and what he will do for us all. I always tell people, joy, not a giddy feeling, but pure joy and inner peace is the definitive sign of the Holy Spirit. We see that on display in Mary and Elizabeth and John in the presence of God. Well, so too with us. Every time we come and we receive Jesus in the Eucharist or on retreat or in the presence of our families, we gather and we celebrate Christ, his presence, and we too, we too are filled with joy and peace in the presence of our Lord and Savior. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.